Get ready to enter the Thrive Time Show. Teaching you the systems to get what we got. Clinton Dixon's on the hooks. I break down the books. Z's bringing some wisdom and the good looks. As the father of five, that's why I'm alive. So if you see my wife and kids, please tell them hi. It's the C and Z up on your radio. And now three, two, one, here we go. We started from the bottom, now we Thrive Nation, welcome back to another exciting edition of the Thrive Time Show on your radio and podcast download. And for those of you who are discovering our podcast for the first time, two things I want to make, two housekeeping notes I want to share with you. One, as of July 2nd, 2018, we are number one in the world of all podcasts. Um, it doesn't mean we're going to stay there. It doesn't mean that we couldn't move down or up, but I want to say thank you to you, Thrive Nation, for listening to these conversations and for sharing these podcasts uh, with your friends. And we hope this show provides you the mentorship that you really can't get anywhere else. And one of the things I pride myself on doing is trying to bring on guests onto the show that know the millionaire map. People that don't just talk about success, but people who aren't just charlatans, but people that have actually done it who live it, people who have gone through the struggle and the adversity that you've gone through. Well, on today's show, we have a multimillionaire, a best-selling author, and a man who's written a book with Steve Forbes, shared the stage with Tony Robbins, General Colin Powell, Zig Ziglar, and more. And this just in Thrive Nation. He's done this all after having gone blind. Think about that. After having gone blind. Jim, Jim Stovall, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you doing? I am good, Clay. It's great to be with you. Congratulations on being number one, and uh, keep it up, brother. I, uh, I uh, again, it's. I will try not to get emotional while interviewing you because just talking to you. I remember hearing you speak years ago, watching you online, watching the videos of you speak. It's just, it's the, the impact you've made on my life uh, in terms of just not making excuses has been profound. And so I would like for you to share, if you can, what you were thinking when you first learned that you were going blind. I mean, how, how, how old were you and when did you first you know, learn that you were going blind? What were you thinking when you discovered that soon I'm not going to see again? Well, it started uh, as a young man. I grew up here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I had no ambition other than to be an All-American football player and go on to make my living in the NFL. For the sake of your audience, we'll say the New England Patriots. Yes. And, um, you know, every year before you go play football, you have to get a physical exam. They want to make sure that you're healthy before they take you out and try to kill you. And the the exam was taking a lot longer that year than I had ever remembered it. And they poke you, they prod you, they weigh you, they measure you, they do all this stuff. Right. And then a doctor shined a light in my eye and wrote something on a chart and called another doctor, and he did the same. And then a third doctor came in and ran several tests, and eventually they took me down a long hall and sat me down at a table, and these three doctors told me, Jim, we're not sure why and we're not sure when, 
but we do know someday you're going to be totally blind and there's nothing we can do about it. And your whole world just stops right there. And I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew I was not going to make my living in the NFL. And that was the beginning of a 12-year slide from a fully sighted person to a totally blind person. And uh, I lost the last remaining scrap of my eyesight at age 29. And uh, that's where I've been for 30 years now. And uh, that was the beginning of uh, everything that people know about me, whether it's the, the 40 books or the eight movies or the arena events or anything people know about me all happened uh, after it went dark. I, I, uh, I remember I was in the, in the parking lot of our Riverwalk offices, and my dad called me. I remember like it was yesterday. My dad called and said, uh, son, I'm going to be dead soon. And I thought, what? And he says, I have ALS, and the timeline, I don't know the timeline, but um, I'm going to be dead soon, so I'd like if we could plan out um, some things that I want to do before I pass. And I know that for me, uh, Jim, I, I took it, I listened to what he said, I went in the office, I did my day, I uh, didn't say this to anybody, then I got in my car, I got on the creek... Uh, turnpike headed out east to Broken Arrow. I drove right through the, the 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 toll there with my Pike Pass, and then it just like a flood of tears and emotion, and I couldn't get it together for a few hours. C- did you have that moment? Did you have that moment where you just emotionally were overwhelmed? I mean, because you you battled that for years before you ultimately lost your sight at the age of twenty nine, I believe you said. But did you ever have that emotional outburst, that initial, what was going on emotionally when you, when you, did you ever have that emotional outburst? Sure. I remember waking up several weeks after that diagnosis, and I had just been through a total roller coaster. And I told God, if, if you're real and if there is such a thing as God, you better show up today. I'm giving you one day. Mm. One day and one day, if you can imagine the audacity of that statement. Yeah. And I said, God, you've got till the end of the day today. I need to know that there's some plan for my life, that there's something I can do out there, that, that there's something, a blind guy can do something. And then <clears throat> that was in the fall of that year. And uh, as you well know, every year the state fair comes to town. Well, I'd always been playing football during that time. So I hadn't been to the state fair since I was a little kid. And I could see, still see well enough to get around on my own. So I decided I'm just going to go out to the fair and and see what transpires. And I reminded God, you got till sundown. And uh, first thing I did is I walked into the old IPE building there, that big giant building behind the Golden Drill or whatever they're calling it this right. year. And uh, they had an exhibition from the previous Olympic Games. And they had the runners and the gymnasts and all those sorts of things. And to be real honest with you, I went over to look at the girl gymnast there. I thought that was something that I ought to take <laughs> in. And after they did their thing, they made an announcement, and out came the weightlifters. And I thought, wow, that's something a guy could do even if he was losing his sight. And uh, I became the national champion three years later and got to finish my athletic career as an Olympic weightlifter. And that was an interesting moment. And then I walked on down the midway to the pavilion, the big arena there on the fairgrounds, and they had a giant banner outside, Clay, and it said, Free Concert. And I didn't know who was playing or when it started, but free totally fit my budget. And I went in, and there was no one there. I sat on the front row, and I cried a little, and I dreamed a little, and I reminded God, this is your one day. You better show me something. And I was so intense on my thoughts and reverie there 
that the arena filled up around me, and I was really not aware of it. And the first thing that was in my conscious mind was a voice I'll never forget. It said, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Tulsa State Fair, the one, the only, the legend, Ray Charles. Oh, wow. And they brought Ray out on stage. He was about 12 feet away from me. And Ray Charles was absolute magic. And I sat there and said, okay, God, I get it. A blind guy can do something. Now, I, I kind of figured Ray's got this music thing covered, so I better go do something else. And that was kind of the beginning of everything for me, you know. And, uh, and as I was slowly losing my sight, I was building my way toward uh, the things that I do and know now. And, you know, Clay, I, you know, people think about me as a blind person or, you know, the limitations on my life. I... I, honest to God, don't know anybody I would trade places with today. I, I am happy. I am fulfilled. I do everything I want to do. I just wish there was twice as many hours in a day to accomplish all the things I want to get out the door. But uh, I don't know anybody I would trade places with. It's been a tremendous ride, and, uh, and I'm just excited every day and more excited now than I was 30 years ago. You know, this, this uh, conversation, although you and I have a very similar worldview, it's not a religious discussion. I, I, I think both of us in our time of needs have cried out to God. Um, but I know people that are, that are Christians. I know people that are uh, uh, Buddhists. I know people that are from the, uh, uh, the Jewish faith, people from all different religions who lose all hope the first sign something terrible. The first, the first time something terrible happens to them, they lose all sign of hope. But if you look at the lives of, let's say, Abraham Lincoln or Martin Luther King Jr., or you look at the life of anybody you can think of, Steve Jobs, somebody who achieved massive success, you, we, all, we all remember them because of the struggle they went through. I mean, if Martin Luther King Jr. didn't lead the civil rights movement or Abraham Lincoln hadn't died to end slavery or if these people hadn't had these adversities, we wouldn't know them. So it's like your, your, your strength actually comes through the struggle, which Napoleon Hill wrote about in his books. The strength comes through the struggle. How did you keep from feeling sorry for yourself when you went totally blind? I mean, how did you keep yourself not from just going into a, a, a cocoon of pity and sorrow? How did you get off the mat time and time again when most people, the average person, unfortunately, I'm choosing to believe before they hear this podcast, would quit? Well, I mean, I certainly had all those feelings, you know, and I, I, the first one to tell people, if you have those feelings, and, you know, my problems are no greater than yours or anyone listening to us now. We're all only as big as the smallest thing it takes to divert us from where we ought to be. So whether it's someone's divorce or bankruptcy or they lost their job or a health crisis or whatever it may be, you know, we all have those things. And for everyone defeated by one of those things, I'll show you someone else had the same circumstance and used it as a springboard to great success and everything they ever wanted in this life. Well, like you, I went to R. Roberts University, and I was slowly losing my sight. Uh, I met my wife there. She was one of my readers who read textbooks to me. And... Uh, um, you know, as it was coming close to senior year, all the uh, recruiters were on campus hiring everybody, and nobody wanted to hire this uh, blind Olympic weightlifter. So uh, I made the only decision that made any sense to me. I went home and told my mom and dad, I'm not going to get a job. I'm going to be an entrepreneur, which uh, you can imagine how much that thrilled them at that point. Right. But dad <laughs> said, I don't know anything about that, but I do know one guy I'll introduce you to. 
and his name was Lee Braxton, and Lee Braxton had a third-grade education and became a decamillionaire during the Great Depression, gave nine of his $10 million away and lived off of the investment returns on that $1 million the rest of his life and worked for Oral Roberts University for a dollar a year until his death. He was kind of a grumpy old man, and he shoved this book at me. He said, either read this or find somebody to read it to you and come back when you've read it. And it was a book called Think and Grow Rich. And um, I read the book, and Crystal helped me, and I came back a couple of days later. He asked me a question I didn't know the answer to. He said, you need to read that again. And I came back a couple of days later, and I said, okay, I've read it twice. And he asked me another question, and that he was not satisfied with my answer. I said, you're going to need to read that again, son. And I read it the third time and came back, and that was the basis of all his mentorship, and he taught me everything I know about success and money and uh, achievement in business. And a number of years later, uh, um, he had long since passed away, I wrote a book called The Millionaire Map. And uh, in there I disclosed uh, my investment account. I had started, uh, well, I I, I tell people I didn't start with nothing. Uh, Poor people can't get that far in debt. We had to work a long way to get up to nothing. (laughs) And, um, you know, because I don't believe anybody should ever take advice from anybody that doesn't have what you want, I felt I owed my readers an explanation. So I had Bank of America and Merrill Lynch do an audited accounting of my investments, Not not my books or royalties or movies or my television network or other businesses, just cash equivalent stocks and bonds. And they showed I had well in excess of $10 million. And I put that in a book and put it out, and it became a bestseller. And I got a call from Don Green, who's the head of the Napoleon Hill Foundation. He said, loved your book, love your work. He said, but did you know that you're Mr. Braxton, your men- mentor you mentioned here in this book, was Napoleon Hill's best friend? I said, I had no idea. He said, yeah. He said, he gave the eulogy at Hill's funeral. I'll send you the transcript. And he did. All right, Thrive Nation, we come back. More of our exclusive interview with Jim Stovall. Stay tuned. It's the Thrive Time Show on your radio. Get ready to enter the Thrive Time Show. Now we're on the top, teaching you the systems to get what we got. Colton Dixon's on the hooks, I break down the books. He's bringing some wisdom and the good looks. As the father of five, that's why I'm a dive. So if you see my wife and kids, please tell them hi. It's the CNC up on your radio. And now three, two, one, here we go. Thrive Nation, welcome back to the Thrive Time Show on your radio and podcast download, where today we are interviewing the best-selling author, the multimillionaire, the co-author of a book with Steve Forbes, the man who shared the stage with Tony Robbins, General Colin Powell, and Zig Ziglar. My folk, my friends, this is today's interview. We're, we're, we're interviewing today, easy for me to say, we're interviewing today Jim Stovall. Jim Stovall is a... Uh, successful entrepreneur that didn't earn the vast majority of his success and accolades until after he went blind. After he went blind, that's when he had his success. You know, Helen Keller, the the, the, the acclaimed uh, writer who was both deaf and blind, she once wrote, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. So if you're out there today and you've made yourself a series of excuses for why you can't get up early and 
why you can't get your to-do list done and why you can't make your action items and why you can't save money, I hope, my hope and my prayer that today's is that today's podcast will provide for you the uh, the medicine that you need. That um, will provide for you the the anecdote to the wealth repelling cosmic habit force I called jackassery. Jackassery is where you know what to do, but you simply choose not to do it. And Jim Stovall, I I don't know how he felt about it. I don't know. Uh, what was going through his mind as he was going through the things he went through. But he is a blind man who has decided to turn his life into a life of success. And so, without any further ado, my exclusive interview with Jim Stovall. I, I, I tell people, I didn't start with nothing. Uh, poor people can't get that far in debt. We had to work a long way to get up to nothing. <laughs> and, um, you know, because I don't believe anybody should ever take advice from anybody that doesn't have what you want, I felt I owed my readers an explanation. So I had Bank of America and Merrill Lynch do an audited accounting of my investments, not my, not my books or royalties or movies or my television network or other businesses, just cash equivalent stocks and bonds. And they showed I had well in excess of $10 million. And I put that in a book and put it out, and it became a bestseller. And I got a call from Don Green, who's the head of the Napoleon Hill Foundation. He said, loved your book, love your work. He said, but did you know that your Mr. Braxton, your men- mentor you mentioned here in this book, was Napoleon Hill's best friend? I said, I had no idea. He said, yeah. He said, he gave the eulogy at Hill's funeral. I'll send you the transcript. And he did. And then he sent me a two-inch thick file of letters exchanged between Braxton and Hill in the 40s and 50s and 60s, and that's the basis of a book I'm working out that'll be out the year after next. But, um, you know, all of these things came to me through, um, you know, one of the worst tragedies in my life, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I, I... Nothing is all good or all bad, Clay. I mean, uh, you know, I talk to people, they've had horrible divorces and abusive relationships. But I say, well, would you go through it again to get those kids you got? And, you know, there's always something in everyone. And as you mentioned, Napoleon Hill said, every adversity comes with the seed of a greater good. And what this means is, once you believe and understand that principle, when something bad happens, you start looking for the opportunity. And the thing I have found in my career that has made me wealthy and healthy and happy and everything I've ever wanted in this life, when something seemingly bad happens to me, I am looking for the opportunity because I know that opportunity comes disguised as a problem. And the whole world's praying for a great you know, ideas, you know, they just want to have that one big idea, the next Uber or whatever it is. And, you know, the only thing you got to do to have a great idea, Clay, is go through your daily life and wait for something bad to happen and ask yourself, how could I have avoided that? And the answer to that question is a great idea. And the only thing you got to do to turn that great idea into a great business is ask one more question. How could I help other people avoid that? Because the world will give you fame and fortune and wealth and success and everything you ever wanted if you'll just solve their problems. But everybody goes out there and say, I want to make money. The only people that make money work at the Mint. They print dollar bills. The rest of us have to earn money. And the only way you earn money is by creating value in other people's lives. There's nothing else that matters. So when you go out there and you worry about yourself and you think it's all about you, you're going to be poor your whole life. 
But if you go out there and say, who needs me today, and who needs me the most, where can I help the most people in the biggest way, and if you go out every day with that thought in your mind, you're going to get rich. You know, uh, you, you had four or five knowledge bombs there all in a row, and I'd like to break them down one by one because there was so much knowledge you just provided there. So let's, let's get into knowledge bomb number one that I took note of. You said that behind every failure or setback, there is an opportunity. And Napoleon Hill writes about that extensively in his mm-hmm. book, Think and Grow Rich. That single idea is the only reason that you and I are on this radio show together. I grew up as a kid that stuttered. Therefore, I had to learn how to become a good listener, which is why I do very well at the business ventures I do, because I've I've learned to become a, a good listener. And then I wanted to become good at speaking. And I had to practice so much speaking over and over and over that it became sort of a, a superpower. But I don't think I would have spent that much time in my life focused on speaking if I was naturally good at it. You are a man with tremendous vision as a result, I believe, in part of being totally blind. You are a man of tremendous vision as a result of being totally blind. Do you agree, do you agree with that idea that you have tremendous vision today in part as a result of you having gone blind? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, um, you know, sight tells us where we are and what's around us. It's a very wonderful thing. I had it for the first part of my life. Sight's a gift, and I hope everyone listening to us now will go out and use their sight and think about the blessing that it is. Sight's a wonderful thing, but it pales in comparison to vision. That sight tells you where you are and what's around you at this moment. Vision tells you where you could be and what's possible in the world. And given a choice between the two, and I've had both, I'll take vision every time. Now, this, this concept of looking for a problem that you can solve for others, that's really all entrepreneurship is. It's, it's finding right. a problem that people have, and they're willing to pay for you to solve. That's all. You find a problem people have, whether it be a product or a service that solves the, solves the problem. And if people are willing to pay for you to solve the problem, then you have a viable business. If you people have lawns that are growing and they don't want to mow the lawns themselves and they pay you to mow the lawn, then that is a business. How would you, uh, what advice would you give to somebody out there? And I'm not ripping on every single multi-level marketing business. I'm not ripping on all of them, Jim. I'm just ripping on 99.64321, carry the four percentage of them. Thrive Nation, are you looking to save both time and money on your office supplies? Are you looking to save both time and money with your office supplies? Well, if you are looking to save both time and money with your office and printer supplies, then go to onyximaging.com. That's O-N-Y-X imaging.com today. Three, two, one, boom. You are now entering the dojo of Mojo and the Thrive Time Show. Thrive Time Show on the microphone. What is this? Top of the iTunes charts in the category of business. Drilling down on business topics like we are a dentist. Providing you with mentorship like you are an apprentice. And we go so fast that you might get motion sickness. Grab a pen and pad to the lab. Let's get in this. It's time to bear some fruit like some Florida oranges. Three, two, one. Here come the business ninjas. Sonic Boom. Aw, Thrive Nation, welcome back into the conversation. It's the Thrive Time Show on your radio. For anybody just now tuning in, we are interviewing today the multi-millionaire, the best-selling author, 
the man who's written books with Steve Forbes and who's, who has shared the stage with Tony Robbins, General Colin Powell, and Zig Ziglar. Ladies and gentlemen, family and friends, it's my pleasure to introduce you to Mr. Jim Stovall, the entrepreneur who became successful after becoming blind. Now, without any further ado, back to our interview with Jim Stovall. And they're willing to pay for you to solve. That's all. You find a problem people have, whether it be a product or a service that solves the, solves the problem. And if people are willing to pay for you to solve the problem, then you have a viable business. If you people have lawns that are growing and they don't want to mow the lawns themselves and they pay you to mow the lawn, then that is a business. How would you... Uh, what advice would you give to somebody out there? And I'm not ripping on every single multi-level marketing business. I'm not ripping on all of them, Jim. I'm just ripping on 99.64321, carry the four percentage of them, where they're not actually selling a product that people need, but they're trying to convince people to get rich quick. You know, I'm sure you've seen that before where somebody has a product that doesn't actually solve a problem. It doesn't offer value to the marketplace, but yet they want to become rich as a result of auto-shipping something that you don't need to your home. What advice would you give for somebody out there who's trying to get rich with their newest get-rich-quick scheme or scam? What advice would you have to them? If, if they said, Jim, set me straight. Tell me how life works. First of all, I've never seen anybody get rich long-term quickly. I have never seen it happen. And if they have, I'd like to see it happen. And I, I remember I was... Uh, uh, working with Willie Nelson on a deal. He did uh, the music, uh, he and Bob Dylan and B.B. King, for the first movie based on one of my books. And, you know, I had done some research about him, and I said there was this article in uh, Variety magazine in 1971 said you were an overnight success. He said, yeah, I guess if you look at it the way I became an overnight success, it took me 21 years to get to that night, but then I was an overnight success. <laughs> and, you know, everybody I've ever seen that makes it and succeed has paid their dues. And something my grandfather told me years ago that's always stuck with me, he said, just figure on earning everything you get out of life. You'll be a lot happier and you'll be a lot wealthier. And it's, it's happened for me. And there are great network marketing companies and there right, are not there great are network co marketing companies. But if you're just trying to run through and scam a bunch of people and, and do something, you know deep down. And, you know, a lot of these companies, they won't tell you what they're in or what they're doing or what the meeting's about. And, and that's just the thing, you know, I mean, I do five things in my life. It, it looks like a four-sided pyramid with a point on the top, and those are the five things I do. I do books and movies and television and speeches and my syndicated columns. I do those five things, and I am proud of those five things. I will tell anybody anywhere at any time about what I do and how I do and how I've opened the world of television to 13 million people here in the United States, and I'm very proud of that. I, I wish for everyone listening to us right now that you would be just that proud of who you are and what you do. And if you have to kind of hedge or hide behind something when you tell people what you do, go do something you're proud of. Go <laughs> make a difference for somebody. You know, you can drive down any street in America and look at the houses, and you can pretty much guess what kind of contribution they make to society. You know, you know how big a contribution and how many people do they make a contribution to. You mentioned uh, your connection now with the Napoleon Hill Foundation, and you mentioned uh, Mr. Braxton. Can you um, uh, share with us why you decided to donate to build the Jim Stovall? Is it, is it called the officially the, the Jim Stovall Center? There's a building at Oral Roberts University 
that has your yeah. name on it. For people who aren't familiar, Oral Roberts University has a Division One basketball team, a Division One volleyball, baseball, big Christian school, and your name's on the side of it. Jim Stovall, the, the Stovall Center. Can you explain why you decided to donate back to Oral Roberts University? Well, so many good things happened to me there. My education, I met my wife, Crystal. I connected with Lee Braxton. And, uh, you know, Clay, uh, many, many years ago, I quit uh, measuring my wealth based on much mo- how much money I have. I have more money than I'm ever going to spend. And, uh, you know, we give away vastly more amounts of money than 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 we spend or save or invest for ourselves. Uh, 27 years ago, I started a scholarship at ORU, the Crusader Scholarship Fund, and we just passed the mark. We've sent 500 kids to that university. I wow. Mean, that cost more than, than that building cost. But, uh, you know, several years ago, um, my father worked for uh, 57 years for Oral Roberts. He, my dad came to Tulsa in 1955, right out of the Navy, and started working in the mailroom and worked his way up and became the chief financial officer and, and then took over University Village and ran that until he retired in his, in his early 80s. And mom and dad still live there in a house at University Village, and uh, my dad was in administration. So I thought... Uh, I'm going to build the Stovall Administrative Center. And it, anybody in Tulsa, if you're ever out there, just walk into the building and it's a beautiful atrium. And it's got a big thing talks about my mom and dad and why Crystal and I wanted to uh, donate a building and dedicate it to my mom and dad because of that. And But the ironic thing is that next uh, Thanksgiving, I was over at my mom and dad's house and I'm standing in the kitchen with mom. And, and she said, how did you do that? And I said, mom, I don't know what you're talking about. She said, well, when I stand here at my sink and look out the window, the, the sign lights up on the Stovall building, and it's the only thing I can see right here from my window. And to this day, my mom thinks I placed that building so that, uh, uh, so that she could stand <laughs> in her kitchen and see the name on it. But, you know, Clay, and I'll, I've been rich and I've been poor. Rich is a whole lot better, but the most fun you'll ever have with money is giving it away. And uh, you think you're having a bad day or you're down or whatever, go buy a truckload of bicycles and go to a poor area in your town and just get ready to have an amazing experience. What is your role today with the Napoleon Hill Foundation? Because the, N- Napoleon Hill, I named my son after Napoleon Hill. My son's name is Aubrey Napoleon Hill Clark because the book Think and Grow Rich changed my life. Now listen out there, listeners. I, if you're listening right now, understand this. I only have one son, and I've read thousands of books, audio books, and I named my son Aubrey Napoleon Hill Clark. I could have named him anything, right? You can do that, freedom of choice. But I named him Aubrey Napoleon Hill. Not Aubrey Russell Simmons, not Aubrey Jay-Z Clark, not Aubrey uh, Dave Ramsey Clark, not Aubrey Robert Kiyosaki, a lot of great authors. But I named my son after Napoleon Hill you, what is your role with the Napoleon Hill Foundation today, and what, what, what are you doing on an ongoing basis with that group? Well, it started a number of years ago. Oprah actually made the introduction for me. I was at the National Booksellers Convention, and I saw her there, and we're just having a moment. All right, Thrive Nation, when we return, Jim Stovall shares with us how Oprah Winfrey Oprah Winfrey, Oprah, the Oprah Winfrey, introduced him to the Napoleon Hill Foundation. An incredible story from an incredible man. And if you're out there saying to yourself, I want my spine to feel incredible. Well, if you want your spine to feel as incredible as Jim Stovall is, then go to Sibley 
Chiropractic. That's Dr. John Sibley, drjohnsibley.com. Schedule your consultation today with the chiropractor of choice for Wayne Gretzky, the NHL Hall of Famer, drjohnsibley.com. Attend the world's best business workshop led by America's number one business coach for free by subscribing on iTunes and leaving us an objective review. Claim your tickets by emailing us proof that you did it and your contact information to info at thrivetimeshow.com. All right, Thrive Nation, welcome back to the Thrive Time Show on your radio and podcast download. Uh, recently, we've actually hit the top of the iTunes charts what? We've reached the top of the iTunes charts. This just in. In the category of business, as well as in, in all categories overall, as a result of you subscribing to the podcast and sharing this with your friends and family. So I appreciate you very, very much for doing that. It means, it means a lot to me. Uh, another thing that means a lot to me is if you get, a co- get yourself a copy of the book Think and Grow Rich. Think and Grow Rich is the number one self-help book of all time. The number one selling self-help book of all time outside of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. Um, the Napoleon Hill Foundation and Think and Grow Rich has sold over 100 million copies of the book Think and Grow Rich. And the book was had made such a, a profound impact on me and my life that I actually decided to name my son after the author. So my son's name is Aubrey Napoleon Hill Clark. Now, on today's show, we are interviewing Jim Stovall, who has a very, very close connection to the Napoleon Hill Foundation. He's also a New York Times bestselling author and a man who became a multimillionaire after becoming blind. And during this next portion, he's going to explain to you how Oprah Winfrey introduced him to the Napoleon Hill Foundation. And the rest, as they say, is history. Stay tuned. But I named my son after Napoleon Hill. You, what is your role with the Napoleon Hill Foundation today, and what, what, what are you doing on an ongoing basis with that group? Well, it started a number of years ago. Oprah actually made the introduction for me. I was at the National Booksellers Convention, and I saw her there, and we're just having a moment. And I had just gotten on the floor of the convention, and I said, what's the best thing here? And she said, you know, there's all these amazing multi-million dollar booths with lights and, you know, videos and fireworks and everything. And, you know, and but she said, I was walking around and over in the corner, there's one little old man standing there at a card table and had about 40 people in line waiting to talk to him. No sign, no nothing. And so she said, I couldn't wait. I had to go over and see who this guy was. And it was Don Green of the Napoleon Hill Foundation. Mm. And, you know, she talked about what a difference that it made for her. So I didn't know this guy at all, Clay. I wrote him a letter saying, hey, we have a mutual friend and fan, and, uh, you know, I appreciate what you're doing and what that book did for me. And, you know, written in 1937, uh, over 100 million copies now. And I wrote this letter to Don Green. And then years later, he, he made the connection between me and Lee Braxton, and they were best friends and sent me the file of letters and everything. And, uh, so we were sitting there, he has an office at the University of Virginia, very near where Napoleon Hill was raised and lived, and, uh, and they have a scholarship there. And I said, uh, Don, what can I do for you? 
uh, and he said, well, um, could you do some books for us that uh, would benefit the foundation? Well, I write a weekly syndicated column. I've written over a thousand of them, and they appear in newspapers and magazines and online publications around the world. And I have just finished the fifth book of those, uh, and uh, and it's an official publication of the Pauline Hill Foundation. Every penny from every book everywhere in the world goes to provide scholarships for Napoleon Hill kids at the University of Virginia. Then two or three years ago, Don came to me and he knew about my experience in television and movies. We have an Emmy Award and I've done eight uh, major motion pictures based on my books. And he said, we have a group that wants to do a movie about the life of Napoleon Hill, but I don't know much about it. Would you oversee and help us with this project? I said, sure, I will. And the movie, you know, you're going to love this, Clay. A lot of creativity went into this. It's called Think and Grow Rich. We were oh, with that. nice, nice. But uh, we got together about two dozen of the greatest 21st century thought leaders who have been impacted by that book, and we reenacted parts of Napoleon Hill's life and this book. And, uh, you know, basically Hill was the first one to quantify what's called the science of success. He was a, a newspaper reporter. Uh, Napoleon Hill was there the day the Wright brothers flew. He was a young man, and his newspaper sent him out to interview Andrew Carnegie, the richest man in the world, the, uh, the founder and president uh, of uh, U.S. Steel. And when Hill got there, he said, what do you have to do to be rich? How do you get rich? And Carnegie told him, he said, young man, no one has ever really quantified that, but if you'll dedicate the next 20 years of your life to that proposition, you'll be the one to break that open for the whole world. And Hill agreed, and Carnegie introduced him to Henry Ford and uh, Alexander Graham Bell and Thomas Edison and Helen Keller and over 500 of the most prominent people of that era. And Hill synthesized all of that, their secrets and put it out in the book uh, uh, Think and Grow Rich in 1937. It is credited with helping to end the Great Depression. It has changed the lives of more people. And I'm a member of a group, Clay. Uh, Steve Forbes told me about it originally. It's called Tiger 21, and it's a group. It's called the Investment Group to Enhance Returns, and I had heard a lot about that. And, and um there are 238 of us now, DECA millionaires. You have to have over $10 million to get in the group. And, um, you know, but I remember when I was talking to them, and they do surveys of members, and one of the questions they ask is, when did you first read Think and Grow Rich? They don't even ask if you've read it. Right. They just said, when right. did you first read Think and Pardon Grow Rich? Pardon me as I lose my mind for a second. If you are out there and you want to become successful – Read that book three times. If you're not a reader, get the audio book. Jim, you're blind, so reading a book might be tough. You listen to, I, I, we have one of our show sponsors, Paul Hood, who wants to ask you a question here in just a moment. But I want to ask you this question. You listen, do you not listen to an audio book every day? I mean, what's your process? Now that you're blind, you could have the excuse of, I can't see the words, but you instead listen to audio books. So for anybody out there who's a vision impaired or they just struggle with reading, can you talk to me about how you digest audio books? Because I don't care whether you read it or listen to it, you've got you've to devour Think and Grow Rich at least three times. How, how do you consume books now, my friend? Well, it, um, you know, when I first went blind, I woke up that morning at age 29 and I was totally blind and 
And uh, I thought about what can I do and what can I not do. And the two things that came to my mind that I could not do is, number one, drive, and number two, read. I can't read anymore, and I can't drive. And I decided I am not going to be limited in those two areas. So I found out about audiobooks, and at the time, digital um, electronics was just beginning to happen, and a group had contacted me. Uh, because I'd been researching and they said, we're doing this, would you like to be in the beta test? And it was for compressed high-speed audio. And I started listening to that a little faster and a little faster and a little faster every day. And now I can listen, depending on the, the uh, whether it's, it's high um, statistics and numbers or whether it's just narrative, I can listen at uh, five, six, even 700 words a minute. And because of that, I, over the last 30 years, I've read a book every day. There hasn't been a day in 30 years I haven't read a whole book. Whoa, 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 whoa. Me- you said you listen to a book every single day. Every, you've read a book yeah. every single day for the past how many years? 30. That right there. Thrive Nation, listen, listen to this. I am a man bear pig with no discernible talents or skills, and I read a book a week, okay? And I'm like, I'm the man. I read a book a week. I'm the man. And I'm telling you what, I, I, my, my mind is like a, like a, it's like a concrete app. It's tough to get into my skull. I've got to drill down there, really auger down into my brain. I struggle with retaining things. I have to highlight it and tab it. Jim Stovall is listening to a book every single day for how many years 30 years and you know and i i listen to i get up every day at four in the morning and people always gasp and you know like i'm some kind of deprived the alarm hasn't gone off in years that's just when i wake up (laughs) and i go into my office and i start my you know i go through my morning routine my quiet time and my gratitude and then and then i read and and then when i have moments at the office i was reading for you call me say i'm going to mess with your sound guy right here here is a book at about 600 words a minute that I was reading the moment you called. So here you go. That's the autobiography of Red Auerbach, who coached the Boston Celtics for many, many years. And, uh, and that's a few seconds of him going at about six, 700 words a minute. It, oh, know, it's not like it's I just started listening that fast in the beginning. It, you know, I just sped it up a little more every day, and the what? next thing you know, there you are, and people come into my office, and they say, what is that, a flea? What is that? And wow. I said, that is an audio book, and um, yeah, that has been a game changer for me. And uh... Thrive Nation, one way to learn and to learn quickly and to avoid pain is to learn from mentors instead of learning from mistakes. Now, if you're out there and you're wanting to build a commercial building and get it done right the first time, you'd rather go with the pros as opposed to learning from mistakes, visit will-con.com. That's will-con.com. Attend the world's best business workshop led by America's number one business coach for free by subscribing on iTunes and leaving us an objective review. Claim your tickets by emailing us proof that you did it and your contact information to info at drivetimeshow.com. Thrive Nation, welcome back to the Thrive Time Show on your radio. And today's show and every show is presented by Williams Contracting. Uh, these guys are, if you're out there looking to build a, an office building, uh, you want to build a restaurant, you want to build onto your school or your church, 
Uh, you want to go with an experienced team of builders who've been doing this for a long time. And that's why, without reservation, I can recommend you check out our good friends at will-con.com. That's will-con.com. That's Williams Contracting. You give them a call today at 918-682-5511. That's 918-682-5511. And on today's show, as a result of the generous sponsors at Williams Contracting and our other Thrive Nation sponsors, we are interviewing today a living legend. His name is Jim Stovall. Jim what? Jim Stovall. Jim what? Jim Stovall. S-T-O-V-A-L-L. He's a multimillionaire, a best-selling author, and a man who's written a book, a book with Steve Forbes. He shared the stage with Tony Robbins, General Colin Powell, Zig Ziglar. He's a multimillionaire, and he did not have the majority of his success, uh, majority of his success. The things you would know him for today um, all happened after he went blind. So whatever excuse that you're battling with, you're dealing with, you're giving yourself, if you're, if you're tired of making excuses for yourself and you want to move beyond just surviving and you want to hold yourself accountable to operating at a high level of success, I highly recommend that you listen to this exclusive interview with Jim Stovall. I have 10 million books in print around the world and uh, of my various titles and people always ask, how do I become a you know, New York Times bestseller or nominated for a Pulitzer Prize and everything? And I say, if you want to be a writer, be a reader. Be a reader. I mean, the, the most amazing thing to me, Clay, is, is people always want to know what's the secret to success. The wealthiest and most successful people in the world wrote down everything you have to do. There's a recipe there. Just open it up and read it. Oh, okay. Now, we have Paul Hood, one of our uh, show sponsors, and uh, a lot of people ask me, Clay, is this really true? And I'll say, yes. There's this little phrase that says, your network is your net worth. Richard Branson has said that phrase. Uh, Other entrepreneurs like Tim Ferriss have said that you are the average of the five people you spend your time with the most. Or Jim Rohn, the legendary speaker and author, he said, you basically become the average of the people you spend the most time with. And so I surround myself with the top optometrist in Oklahoma, Dr. Robert Zellner, and the the top CPA in Tulsa. Now, in terms of clients, I mean, Paul, uh, you have clients, you have thousands of clients. You have clients in in Claremore, clients in Bartlesville, clients in Tulsa, that's Hood CPAs. And and again, just quantifiably, one of the most successful accountants in the the region there of, of Tulsa, Oklahoma, Paul, it's not often we have Jim Stovall on the show, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the mic. You can ask the man any question you want. Just a wealth of knowledge, and I'm just gonna try to take notes and see if I can mentally comprehend the answers he's giving. So, what question would you have for Mr. Jim? Well, thank you, Clay and Jim. Just first, what an honor! What a big honor! And by the way, tomorrow I'm telling everybody I'm friends with Jim Stovall. I'm just telling you right now, <laughs> I am bragging. Well, you know, and I'm gonna. I'm going to tell everybody I just got to look under the hood. So hey, let's do love it, it, love it, Jim. Hey, so what I do, I, I've discovered that the average business owner in the country is a good technician. Um, they're yep. not really business owners. And so I think what, what, what I try to teach people is that success is determined by what you measure and how often you measure. Would you agree yep. with that? And how would do, do you have any advice for me to help guide my clients and the people that come to me for advice to, to – Help them, because everybody wants to do this, the fun and the marketing and, and everything that's exciting, right. but they've got to measure. So what, what comments or wisdom could you, could you give me on that, Jim? Well, you and your team are probably the most adept at seeing this, but in every business, 
there is one and one specific thing that moves the needle. That's it. And you can count that up and move the needle. And, uh, you know, you got to count the things that matter and the things that matter, you got to count. And, um, you know, I know what those things are in my businesses. Uh, and, 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 you know, I have five businesses. And uh, as I was telling Clay, I visualize it always like a four-sided pyramid with a point on the top. And the thing on the top is what I'm doing at any point in time. And I do books and movies and television and arena speeches and my syndicated columns. I do those five things. So whatever I'm doing at any given time, it, that's the point. That's the top of the pyramid. And it has to support and be supported by the others. And, you know, people confuse activity with productivity. Just because you're doing something doesn't mean you're moving. You're like the little hamster on the wheel. You're going around like crazy, and you're not getting anywhere. In fact, some people and many entrepreneurs, they're actually going the wrong way. Right. You know, they're out here on I-44, and they're going east when they intend to get west. And, uh, you know, they would be better off if they just had a flat tire and pulled over to the side. At least they're not losing ground. But the people confuse activity with productivity. And in most businesses, there are just a handful, if not one or two things that matter. I, years ago, I, I, I consult with a lot of companies around the, the country, and I had been hired by a group of uh, Yellow Page ad salesmen, and they sold the big display ads in the Yellow Page books. And I, I sat down with these guys, and I, I asked them all. I said, we're going to go around the room and tell me your name, what's your goal, and how many hours a week you work. And, you know, oh, you know, I, I want to make, uh, you know, 600000 a year, and I'm already working 70 hours a week. And I said, I don't believe there's a man, woman, or child in this room that's actually working 20 hours a week. And I, I bought a whole gross of those uh, little plastic uh, runner stopwatches at Walmart. I said, you all get one of these free of charge. You put it in your jacket pocket or your purse. When you're actually sitting in front of a prospect, a new prospect talking about buying one of your ads, you click that on. And when you leave their presence, you click it off. And if you ever get to two hours a day, you're going to get absolutely rich. Mm -hmm. And if you don't think so, you try it and come back and call me a liar. I had a guy call me three, four months later. He said, Jim, I just, my, I just finished a month where I made four times what I'd ever made in a month. And I haven't even gotten up to the two hours a day yet. And he said, what should I do? I said, don't do anything. Don't work more than the two hours. You are a salesman. You get paid for presenting ideas and concepts to new people. Go fish and go play golf. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you do. But don't confuse activity with productivity. Because too many people, they'll come in and horse around with the team and make right. jokes with the secretary and read the newspaper and drink coffee and do all these things that don't make any difference. One of the huge advantages I have. Huge advantage. You know, one thing that I, I would uh, uh, say just to pile on with what Jim's saying and to break, break it down to make it very, very practical for all the listeners. According to Forbes right now, 88% of people read reviews before doing what? Anything. Before going out yeah. to eat, before watching a movie, before buying a book. And so if you're an author, if you own a restaurant, if you own a, a business of any kind, Putting your focus on gathering objective reviews from real clients is a massive needle mover. The second, the second idea, there may be one or two. Step one is do a great job. Step two, get reviews. Step one, do a great job. Step two, get reviews. And a lot of owners, they just they they focus on everything else. But that's what's going to create. That's what's going to work today in this transparent culture of social media and the internet. That's how you grow your company. Then you turn your ads on. You turn your billboard on. You run your radio commercials. It all works when people know that you are the real 
deal. So I want to get into this, the, the, the daily grind and into the mind of the daily grind of Jim Stovall. You mentioned briefly your daily routine. You wake up every day at what time, my friend? You said, you said 4 a.m., is that correct? 4 o'clock, yeah. What do you do? 4 o'clock, and between 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock, I have my morning routine, uh, my quiet time and meditation, and and I have my uh, gratitude, and then I read, and at 6 o'clock, my wife gets up. What is and, the, what uh, is the, what is the gratitude look like? That's a concession to me. Were it not for me, she'd probably get up about 10 o'clock. But uh, uh, a number of years ago, I came home from work, and I started telling her about that deal I've been working on for months and months, finally came through today, and I was so excited, and I realized she didn't have a clue what I'm talking about because we hadn't sat down and had a serious conversation in I don't know how long. And I said, that is never happening again. So every morning from 6 to 7, we sit out on the deck or by the fireplace or whatever. We drink coffee, no, no, uh, no devices, no radio, no TV, no newspaper. We talk an hour every morning. And then I get ready, and then I come to the office. I'm in the office at 8, and I go around and visit with all my people, and I find out what they're doing today and how can I help you. How can I help you? And when I was selected as the National Entrepreneur of the Year um, by the United States Chamber of Commerce and the Blue Chip people at uh, Mass Mutual, they, the, the Wall Street Journal sent a guy here to Tulsa, Oklahoma, to shadow me for a whole week. And... He stood around while I did my work, and uh, at the end of the week, he said, you know the most amazing thing about you? And I said, what's that? He said, if I didn't know you were in charge, I wouldn't have had a clue. I, I would have thought you were everybody's assistant. And I said, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. So I go around and I find out what everybody's doing, how can I help, and make sure we're all on task. And uh, then I go through the things I want to do that day, and I always try to keep it to no more than five, six, seven, eight things. If I've got more things than that, I am, I am majoring in minors, and I need to uh, major in major things. And I need, need to get it off my plate and onto somebody else's. And, uh, and uh, unless I'm traveling, I don't work evenings, I don't work weekends. I honestly believe that if you will go to work and, and, and be diligent and be... I mean, uh, crazy about what you do and and maniacal about uh, quality. Um, You don't have to work a ton of hours. You you know, because of my scholarship, I I, I talk to hundreds and hundreds of college kids, and they all know, don't come in here and tell me, oh, I pulled another all-nighter, and I I don't want to hear about that crap. Uh, You you just put a billboard out front that I don't manage my time well. And, you know, there should never be a crisis. There should never be anything urgent. Um, My late great friend and colleague, Stephen Covey, always said, you've got to understand the difference between urgent and important. And uh, my biggest mentor ever, I lost him four months before he turned 100, was Coach John Wooden. Mm -hmm. And he always told his players, be quick, but don't hurry. Be quick. Quick means you're ready, you're prepared, you know where you're going. Hurried means you're out of control. And, and, and circumstances are leading you. And the other thing Coach Wooden always told me, and it goes along with that doing an excellent job that you were mentioning, Clay, before every meeting, every phone call, every interview, everything you do, whatever it is throughout your day, every activity, before you go in, you ask yourself one question. What would I do right now if I were amazing? Not adequate, not good, not excellent. What would I do right now if I was amazing? Right now, if I were amazing. And if you will treat everything you do like that, you will be amazing. And amazing people in America get very, very wealthy. And if you're getting ready to do something that isn't worthy of being amazing, don't do it. 
Right. Get it off your list. But if you'll do everything like, what would I do right now if I were amazing? Um, you're advertising, you're marketing. You will find the number one thing that happens to great businesses is everybody will be talking about you. Everybody will be talking you about know, you. You know, you mentioned uh, John Wooden, so I'm going to uh, peel back the onion with John uh, John Wooden a little bit. He has his, his success pyramid. Yeah. Um, his team... Uh, won the NCAA championship a ridiculous amount of times. I believe 10 out of 12 years with players of all heights, all different sizes, top recruits, uh, people that were awesome, people that people had never heard of before. They just won every year. And one of the things he was focused on was breaking it down to the foundational aspects of the game. So to start every season, he started the first practice every year. All right, Thrive Nation, on today's show, we're interviewing Jim Stovall, the New York Times bestselling author, the multimillionaire entrepreneur. And we come back from the break, he's going to be breaking down for us the words of wisdom, the things he learned from being personally mentored by John Wooden, the UCLA head coach. Stay tuned. Attend the world's best business workshop led by America's number one business coach for free by subscribing on iTunes and leaving us an objective review. Claim your tickets by emailing us proof that you did it and your contact information to info at thrivetimeshow.com. All right, Thrive Nation, welcome back to the Thrive Time Show on your radio and podcast download. On today's show, we're interviewing the multimillionaire, the best-selling author, and a man who's written a book with Steve Forbes and who shared the stage with Tony Robbins, General Colin Powell, and Zig Ziglar. It is none other than the famous blind entrepreneur, Jim Stovall. If you don't know his name, check him out online. Google him today. Jim Stovall. That's Jim, S-T-O-V-A-L-L. And during this excerpt, he's breaking down his personal mentor, John Wooden, the, the NCAA Hall of Fame basketball coach, and, and some of the lessons that John Wooden taught him while he was still with us on the planet. Everybody will be talking you about know, you. You know, you mentioned uh, John Wooden, so I'm going to uh, peel back the onion with John, uh, J- John Wooden a little bit. He has his, his success pyramid. Yeah. Um, his team uh, won the NCAA championship a ridiculous amount of times, I believe 10 out of 12 years, with players exactly. of all heights, all different sizes, top recruits, uh, people that were awesome, people that people had never heard of before. They just won every year. And one of the things he was focused on was breaking it down to the foundational aspects of the game. So to start every season, he started the first practice every year by making the players put on their shoes the John Wooden way. Yeah, he taught them how to roll their socks on. Because he said, if you don't know how to put on your socks, you'll get a blister. Right. You get a blister, you're on the bench, you're on the bench, you're not doing us any good here. Then he went on and, to teaching them layups and basic passing, and they nailed the fundamentals. So you said part of your daily routine, part of your daily fundamentals, was this word gratitude. And I would just like for you to express in a little bit of detail what you mean by that gratitude portion of your day. Uh, and again, recapping, w- w- when is that gratitude portion of your day, and why do you do the gratitude? What is the gratitude all about? So explain to us about that meditation, because a lot of people aren't used to meditation daily, or gratitude, or, or walk us through that that meditation gratitude portion of your day. Well, I get up at 4, and I go into my office, uh, 
and I start with gratitude. And it comes, if, if people are familiar with my work at all, through my books and the movies and the things I've done, more people are familiar with the concept I wrote about called the golden list than anything else. And I ripped that off from my grandmother many years ago. Uh, I'm my parents' third child. The first two died. Uh, I had a brother had cystic fibrosis and I had a sister that died of leukemia. And for those of you who've seen the ultimate gift and the little girl, Abigail Breslin, that gets sick and dies of leukemia, that was not, uh, that was not fiction for me. That was something I had lived through. But while my sister was going all around the country to various specialists and doctors, my parents would take me to Missouri and drop me off at my grandparents' house when I was, you know, three, four years old or five years old. And I guess I complained a lot because I didn't have my friends and my toys and my dog and everything else. And I guess I was complaining a lot. And my grandmother said, Jim, we have a rule here at our house. Now, you can complain all you want to once you fill out your golden list. And I said, what's a golden list? She said, well, all you got to do is write down 10 things you're thankful for. And she had to write them for me. I wasn't old enough to write. But I, I listed 10 things I was thankful for. And, Clay, that has been well over 50 years ago. I've done it every day since. And I defy anyone listening to us now, when you're having a bad day, a bad moment, a bad experience, stop and list 10 things you're thankful for. And it yep. is impossible to have fear, anger, resentment, jealousy, bitterness, at the same time you're having gratitude. The two cannot exist in the same space. Well, so I start every day with that, and that's the beginning of my day, because it sets the tone. And then I go into my meditation, my quiet time, and, uh, you know, I, and I, I would ask people, do not get all hung up about that. You know, you know one of the great um, thought leaders of the last century was a, a Catholic priest named Thomas Merton, and I read his book on Saturday. And he said one of the most profound things I've ever read. He said either everything is spiritual or nothing is spiritual at all. One of those two things has to be true. And, uh, and you can you know go to an agnostic, an atheist, or a, a Christian, a Buddhist, whatever, and I, I can't imagine anybody disagreeing with that statement. Either everything is spiritual or nothing spiritual at all. It, it, there's no middle ground. And so when I have meditation, well, what this means is I clear my mind and I focus on the things that matter to me that day. Right. And through my books, uh, I, I've gotten to meet a lot of people like Coach Wooden, and one of them was Jack Nicholas. And uh, he has read all of my more recent books, and uh, he's a great friend. And he said the whole key to success, and here's a guy that won 19 majors, no one's ever come close. He's kind of the John Wooden of golf. And... Uh, if Tiger would win 50% more majors than he's won, he would approach Jack Nicklaus. And uh, one of the things Jack Nicklaus said, I never hit a golf shot that I hadn't seen in my mind before I hit it. I think and that meditation that. is is so powerful, but you said something, and I, I, I want to make sure that we're, the listeners are, are getting this and they understand your intention of the statement, because you said... Don't get all hung up on this. And I see a lot of people. Now, again, I'm a Judeo-Christian. I believe the Bible is the literal inspired word of God. Some people don't believe that. But I meditate every day for an hour. Every single day for an hour, I think about where am I now versus where do I want to be in my areas of faith, family, finances, fitness, friendship, and fun. And if there's 24 hours in a row where I'm not happy with where I'm going— I change. I make a change. I make a little little quick correction. Uh, but I think a lot of people do get hung up on the phrase meditation. Why, Jim? 
does so many people get hung up on the phrase meditation? I don't know. It's in your Bible. I mean, God would lead us in the, the meditations of our heart and, and the, the things it talks about. And, you know, I, one of the great, uh, I read about a 16th century pope, and he, he wrote about before he was pope, he was meditating and praying four hours a day. But when he became pope, his duties were so pressing and he had so many commitments, he had to move his meditation from four hours a day to six. Wow. And like most great truth in life, that seems counterintuitive. But the reality is, if you want to get more done, prepare your spirit and your mind first, and your body and your schedule and all those things will take care of themselves. So or Paul, for our Christian friends, of which I am one, like you, yeah. seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you. And what this tells me is that I can worry about that one thing I meditate on and what God wants me to do with my life, or I can worry about every other detail in the whole universe, and I don't have the mentality to do that. So I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and you know, and that's not something you did once. It said, seek ye first. And so I do that every morning. Where am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to You know, God make me an instrument and a light today. Thrive Nation, to catch the rest of our exclusive interview with Jim Stovall, head on over to thrivetimeshow.com and click on the podcasts button, and there you will find the remainder of our interview with Jim Stovall. But our interview today with Jim Stovall and all of our great interviews we have with top-level entrepreneurs would not be possible without the generous sponsorship of some great uh, entrepreneurs and some great sponsors out there. So if you have a Ford automobile and you want to get that thing repaired, Check out one of our show sponsors. Check out rcautospecialist.com. If you have a Ford and it needs to be repaired, check out rcautospecialist.com today. And now, from the center of the universe. He's the welcome to Thrive Time with Dr. Z and Blake Clark, too. the Thrive Time Show on your radio. Uh, Both Dr. Z and I started from the bottom, and we've been able to get to the top of the world of business. We've been able to have both time freedom and financial freedom as a result of learning how to execute and implement the 13 proven steps that we teach countless entrepreneurs all over the world. But that's not what this show's about. This show's about helping you get to where you want to go. And so when possible, we like to interview entrepreneurs who have had massive success and who are willing to take time out of their schedule to come onto the show to teach you how they did it. How, how did how did they do it? And so, uh, we, guys, we just interviewed uh, Jim Stovall, the New York Times bestselling author, a guy who was born uh, with sight but who lost his vision at the age of 29 and became a multimillionaire after having become blind. And so I want to get your take on this, darling. I mean, you heard the interview with Jim yeah. Stovall. You probably 
thought to yourself, whoa, that was, I should write that down, or that was amazing, or wow, that was, uh, what were some of the, the as we're processing the, the uh, and just trying to grasp all the nuggets of knowledge, all the knowledge bombs that Jim Stovall just, just gave us there, what did you get the most out of that interview with, with Jim Stovall? Well, I was really taken back by his, just his grace, first of all, usually, um, usually when people are really, really, you just never know what to expect when people are wildly successful. But he just has a, a, a grace about him that I'm always stunned about when I see wildly successful people like yourself who just really are still so graceful in a way. But, um, you know, he just, you know, his practical wisdom, practical knowledge, um, one of the things he, he, he said that I really, that really kind of uh, hit home for me was when he, when he was talking about um, just the, the nuggets that you can put into place that make that, that kind of set a chain reaction for other things. And he was talking about being maniacal about quality. Right. Just, you know, just being absolutely obsessed with just, you know, putting out quality. Can we, can we talk about that for a second? Quality? Yeah. Quality. And I want to talk about the gift of grace for a second. The word charisma in the English language is spelled C-H-A-R-I-S-M-A, charisma, yeah, right? right? But the original word that was given to the planet was charisma, which is a Greek word with, with a K. Mm -hmm. And somebody might be saying to themselves, well, that's great that you found out that we can spell it differently. No, but the word charisma in the English language means somebody who's uh, excitable, entertaining, they have that gift of personality. They just really are magnetic. Wow. Right. What, what charisma that person has. But the word charisma means the gift of grace. Yes. Somebody who can leave a conversation with the other, other person feeling whole and not with the other person feeling like they're full of holes. Yes. People, yes. Should, people who yes. can coach people up and not talk down to them. Right. And Jim Stovall has that ability to do that in a way that I think very few people can do or choose to do. And, and Jim was talking about this concept there, Paul, of not making excuses. And again, I mean, he's blind. He has a lot of excuses that he could make. I mean, he talked about the importance of his daily routine. If a guy who's a multimillionaire and a New York Times bestselling author and a guy who's had his books made into movies... And a guy has had every kind of he's done books with with uh, Steve Forbes. If a guy like that, Paul, has a daily routine, why why do all of us need a routine? I mean, why why does everybody out there, if you want to become successful, why why do you need on a foundational level to have a routine? Well, you know, Clay, what I find is it's almost comical. Week day in and day out, um, I hear the same thing from your program. There is a pattern for success. There is a path for success. There is a design for success. It's not luck. It's you do these things. And one of the, the and it just seems so simple. And the, and the simplest thing is you have a routine. You decide what you're going to do before you're going to do it. Right. And, you know, Jim, one of the things he said was if you want to get more done, prepare your mind and spirit first. Your body and actions will take care of itself. That is prepare, that's plan, that start your day off knowing where you're going to go before you actually get out there. And most people, so few people do that. And I'm telling you, Jim had, I wrote down, I was writing as fast as I could, writing down little things that we could spend days, if not weeks, discussing. Right. Just, but little nuggets that are just, but you, you think about it and say, that can't be right. That is too simple. 
to be that's how you define that's how you become successful what i want to do is i'm going to play uh an audio uh testimonial from one of our clients in dallas a company called full package media i'm going to play it for you guys and i want you to hear the profound simplicity of what thomas is sharing this guy went from a startup to generating over $105,000 a month of gross revenue in less than two years, making over $20,000 a month of profit. And how did he do it? It's with that daily diligence. So without any further ado, an audio testimonial with Thomas and his company, Full Package Real Estate Photography and Media, based in Dallas, Texas. Hey, how's it going? I'm Thomas Crossan, uh, owner and founder of Full Package Media in Dallas, Texas. Uh, I've been a coaching client with Clay Clark since the beginning of our business. Um, we started about a year ago, August of last year. Um, I had no clients, no idea what we were doing, no clue uh, really what was going on. And now we've grown to where we've got six photographers, uh, we've got office space here. Um, I have an admin sales person that works for us full time, uh, developing an online system. And a lot of that growth we attribute to Clay helping us. And there's so many things that no, I mean, his stuff is not you know revolutionary. It's not this crazy walk on hot coals and all this stuff. Uh, it's just real, real stuff. And like group interviews, we were totally against group interviews. Uh, we were like, no, we're different and we're, we're special and we need to, you know, do one-on-one -on -one interviews so we can find good quality candidates and, and not just kind of do this group interview thing. And uh, we tried that and failed miserably. Uh, we did group interviews. Now we do them every two weeks. Uh, and it's it, it's awesome. It works good. We always have kind of influx of new people that we can train, get going. Um, he's helped us a lot with our website, um, graphic design, SEO. Um, SEO is another thing that I thought before I started this business and before Clay that was it was kind of a a joke or you know something that only your apples of the world and Amazon could get to the top of, the, of Google. Um, but Clay said no, just do these things. Um, follow these steps and you'll get there. And I think now we've looked today and we're uh, number two for Dallas Real Estate Photography. If you don't believe me, you can look. Uh, so we're getting to the top of there. That's really cool. It's, it's really awesome to get leads that people will call you and say, hey, I found you on Google. Thrive Nation, if you want to learn how to grow a successful company, you want to stay tuned because we're going to break down the specific steps you need to take to become a diligent and disciplined, successful entrepreneur. But even if you don't want to become a disciplined and diligent entrepreneur, you're going to have to pay your taxes. I mean, you're going to have to pay. You're going to have to. Wow, that's amazing. What are you saying? This just in. You're going to have to pay your taxes. So if you're looking for a financial planner or an accountant who's as proactive about your business as you are, go to hoodcpas.com today. That's hoodcpas.com today. Three, two, one, boom. You are now entering the dojo of Mojo and the Thrive Time Show. Thrive Time Show on the microphone. What is this? Top of the iTunes charts in the category of business. Drilling down on business topics like we are a dentist. Providing you with mentorship like you are an apprentice. And we go so fast that you might get motion sickness. Grab a pen and pad to the lab. Let's get in this. It's time to bear some fruit like some Florida oranges. Three, two, one. Here come the business ninjas. Sonic Boom! Oh, Thrive Nation, welcome back to the Thrive Time Show on your radio. My name is Clay Clark, and today I have a hot take that I want to break down 
for you. Uh, Darlin Tucker's on today's uh, show. Uh, Darlin Tucker, D-A-R-L-O-N, Tucker. He's been a graphic designer with our team. Darlin, how long have you and I uh, worked together, or how long have you and I known each other, do you think? Uh, it's probably been about seven years now. Yeah, probably. And, and I would say it's about Darlin. Darlin is um, in my my circle. I have a, I have a circle of probably uh, probably twenty people in my circle, and the circle not no corner, no square. Just a circle in my inner circle. Darlin is somehow in that the top twenty. Uh, he vacillates from number two to number nineteen. No, but Darwin is always a consistent guy. Honestly, one of my favorite 20 people. I mean that. I love this guy. And he's very consistent. And let me explain to you our relationship. I am a rainmaker. I bring in hundreds of clients every every day. I have, just the other day, Paul, you would enjoy this story. Uh, we had an accountant who's been looking at what you're doing, and they're like, oh, can, I, can you guys kind of work with me? You know, Roy's Garage, one of his competitors reaches out, could you work with me? Because everyone kind of figures out what's happening, and then they want me to. I had a, a pool company the other day that asked me if I could, you know, on the DL, work with them while I'm working with the direct competitor. I don't do that kind of stuff, you know? And so um, I can really only work with one person in every industry unless that owner of that particular business says that they're op- they're okay with me working with two of the same niche. And so I, I, it's a business coaching program. We're only going to work with 160 clients at one time. Never going to work with more than that. But here's the relationship Darlin and I have. I have to bring in clients. So today... I have a person who reached out to us. You say, today? Yeah. And then yesterday and every day. Every day, there's probably two to five people every day, real business owners with multimillion-dollar companies that reach out for coaching startups, middle-of-the-road middle companies. And then Darlin has to do the graphic design. Yes, sir. He and the team, they have to do photography, videography, web edits, print pieces, business cards. They have to do that. And I have to trust that... Darlin is going to edit the InDesign files for Paul Hood's newest book, A Look Under the Hood. So I have to believe that Darlin and the team with Jordan and Johnny, you guys are going to edit the file. So when I walk into the meeting with Paul Hood on a Thursday, I have to know that by Tuesday afternoon, you guys are finishing the project, and by Wednesday, it's being proofed. It is a relationship where you have to trust me to provide the clients. I have to trust you to produce on the back end. Yes. And, Paul, that's probably as deep as it is. I mean, I, if you're a farmer, you have to trust that somebody's tilling the soil, somebody's sowing the seeds, somebody's watering the, 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 the seeds, and somebody's reaping the harvest. You have to, if you're the farmer's wife, you have to trust your husband's out there tilling the soil, yep. sowing the seeds, watering the seeds, getting the harvest. You're the, if you're the farmer, you have to trust that your wife is not out there having an affair, uh, teaching the kids crazy things. You have to. There's, there's, a, there's a trust that's built with daily diligence. So I want to get your take on this, Darlin, and I want to get your take on this, Paul. Darlin, why do you come to work and do what you say? Do what you say you're going to do every day. Why do you do that? Um, I, I mean, I wish I had some revelation, but I was just taught, I was brought up that way that you, you know, you you do what you say you're going to do. You know, you just. Were there other people that were raised the same way you are, or you were, that have chosen not to do what they say they're going to do? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but just because you're raised, I guess, I guess I took it to heart. You know, you just you let it in when you're being taught. You let it in. But Proverbs ten four states, 
Lazy hands make for poverty. Here comes the teaching moment. But diligent hands bring wealth. Now, this from the Bible. So this is what I believe, and Paul, you, you and I could argue if you want. This is what I believe. <laughs> I believe Proverbs was divinely inspired by God. It's the literal words of God. And it says lazy hands make for poverty. So I believe that if you're out there and you're being lazy, it is God himself who is punishing you. I also believe that this next verse is really going to be freaking you out. Uh Proverbs 13.24, which, by the way, happens to be my favorite verse. I just don't talk about it a lot because... I mentioned it, people are like, you're a sick freak. You're a sick. You're sick. Hmm. Proverbs, again, Proverbs 13, 24. Oh, Clay, what's this going to state? Is it going to be negative? Uh, it states here that he that spareth the rod Bring it. hateth his son. Love it. Therefore, I believe if you're out there and you're a business owner, if you are an employer and you do not let your employees feel the consequences of doing a poor job, you hate your employees. Mm. If you're out there and you have kids and you just let them get away with murder, you hate your kids. So I would say that it is God punishing you. Poverty is God punishing you if you're in a free economic system and you have the, the ability to decide to get up or not and you choose not to then you are actually getting in the way of God's judgment if you try to minimize the consequences. Now, that's my great epiphany. Now you get into the real world where, Paul, I've hired family, friends, people I know, and people I don't want to run out there bringing out my rod. Oh, let's go to work today. Let's get out my rod and whack people with it. Nobody wants to hit their employees with the rod. So walk me through that that balance that you deal with, Paul, managing a team. When someone doesn't do their job, you're not a bad guy. You don't want to punish people for being lazy. How do you how do you deal with that? Well, the way I deal with it, Clay, is um, I try to assess what my uh, staff's needs and desires are, what their skills, what their talents are, and um, I tend to use more of the. Uh, the reward side of things and and the withholding of rewards. Um, I believe that uh, now there's a point when you come and and you know it's either beat them across the head and shoulders with a stick or fire them. Um, but you know you I believe in compensating based on extra effort. I don't believe in in you know just everybody's going to get a pay raise because it's this time of the year and it's been right. twelve months. We create systems and and merit based pay that where if you do extra. Um, I'll pay you. Clay, I've I've paid for a, an employee to fly to Ireland because her son was playing in a band uh, because she's such a great employee. Right. I've paid for uh, employees to, to do all kinds of things. You know, I've just something extra. You know, maybe they, they bought a new car and, you know, and, and I helped them tag it. You know, just something out of the ordinary because they're A players. Uh, but I also do believe um, in, uh, you know, public hangings. You know, you've got to, if somebody, you know, steals from you, whatever, and I, I counsel my, I just want a client the other day, you got to have a public, you know, hanging. And this is the segue into being an owner. Because if you're an employee, the boss, it's their job to discipline you. But if you're an owner and you don't do your job, Paul, what happens typically? 
If you're the owner and you don't do your job, you go broke. Typically, yeah. the customers cancel. They leave. Yeah. They get upset. Nobody's out there. Nobody out there is perfect, myself included. But I'm just trying to explain this to you. If you don't do a good job for the customer, they're going to just move on to somebody else. Right. And so today, as we're breaking down the notable quotables from Jim Stovall and just sort of uh, marinating on the post-Jim Stovall interview, I would, I would ask you this. Jim Stovall went blind and then became a New York Times bestselling author. Jim Stovall started with nothing and ended up writing books with Steve Forbes and has gone on to have massive success. Massive success as a multi-million dollar business owner. But he's blind. He's blind. He can't see. This just in. When you're blind, that means you can't see. Oh, oh, thank you for clarifying. So if you're out there, what excuse do you have that's valid? Unless your brain has been pureed into a salad. There is no excuse that I think out there that is valid. You've got to just decide today, are you going to believe in your own excuses or are you going to be a diligent doer? And if you are a diligent doer, I would encourage you to take the first step. Take the first action and that shows that you believe in yourself and book your ticket for our next in-person Thrive Time show two-day workshop. And you might be saying to yourself, I can't afford it. And that might be a great current reality for you. That might be the real reality. That might be the profound thing you're going through. But here's the deal. If you subscribe to the Thrive Time Show on iTunes and you leave us an objective review and email us proof that you did it by emailing us to info at thrivetimeshow.com. Email us your contact information to info at thrivetimeshow.com. We will give you Free tickets to the in-person workshop. All you got to do is buy the workbook for like 27 bucks. So there's no excuses, my friend. We'd love to see you at our workshop. And as always, three, two, one, boom! boom.